motion and bounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everyone. I'm Kate Spees, the general manager of Well and Good and one of your friendly podcast hosts. Today, I am going to dive into a topic that half makes me laugh at myself and half makes me pretty anxious and distressed. It is timelines and the huge pressure that so many of us, us being women and femmes, feel when it comes to achieving those big life goals. For me, honestly, it was like a switch was flipped at 32. Suddenly, I was very much thinking about when to do all the things like marriage, have children, how to balance that with the career I've worked very hard for, etc. And I can kind of laugh about it because it's so stereotypical that it feels ridiculous. However, I do have some pretty genuine stress about these things because I feel like as a 34-year-old woman, suddenly there is all this pressure and I don't know how to balance it. So today is part investigation and part personal therapy session. So enjoy that. And I hope that throughout this episode, you can get some of the answers you've been searching for and also find a little bit of peace. You are not alone. But the vast majority of people, especially the people coming in just to learn about themselves and about their body, are in the exact same boat as you. That's reproductive endocrinologist, Dr. Meredith Brower. I am one of the fertility specialists at KindBody. I practice in our Los Angeles location. Really, until I started practicing, or really even until I came to KindBody, I hadn't really given it a lot of thought. This incredible absence of education that we give young women about how reproduction works, about their bodies, about their ovaries, about their follicles, even simply about periods and ovulation. 
Like, did you know that the reason that you get a period is because you've ovulated two weeks prior? And often when you're not getting a period, it's because you're not ovulating. So just really the simple mechanics of ovarian physiology and reproduction, it is really completely absent in any health education that women get in their lives. And that's fairly universal. And you happen to be of a generation of women where I'm starting to see them seek out that information. And I am also seeing them have more information. So we're at this place where we have far more information available for people who are family planning. And that is a great thing because once you have the biological facts, that dissipates some of the fear because you know exactly what is going on with your body. However, once we do have this information about our bodies, What do we do with it and how do we not live in a constant state of panic or with some metaphorical ticking clock strapped to us at all times? Someone who is so on board for helping us sort out these questions is psychotherapist and board certified coach Tess Brigham. Honestly, our chat was very cathartic. I use my unique background of both psychotherapy and coaching. I take the best of both worlds to help young adults, especially women, really figure out who they are, what they want, make you know confident, effective decisions and choices, and be confident in the choices that they make because life is just a series of choices. But I do believe that if we can help young women feel empowered and strong and confident in who they are, At 25, imagine who they could be at 35, 45, 55. And I think older women will definitely tell you, we all sit around wishing that we had the confidence then that we have now. I think this idea is so bang on. Your 20s really suck for confidence. You care a lot more about what people think. And then my experience of being in my mid-30s is that's gone. I really don't care what people think of my life decisions, but I now feel this pressure. An idea that Tess brought up that really resonated was this concept of a quarter life crisis. So I often say to people, if you think you're going through a crisis, then you walk. To me, when I think about what it means to have a quarter life crisis, it's really about you've been out in the world long enough that you realize that your fantasies and expectations of what adulthood in life was going to look like is not at all what you thought it was going to be. And once you realize that money, job, accumulating things, checking boxes isn't going to provide you the happiness that you're looking for, it forces you to ask yourself these big questions. What's life all about? If I'm here on this earth, what am I going to do? How am I going to spend my time? Women go through it around 26, 27, 28, as they're nearing 30. And I see men going through it more in their early to mid 30s. I think it's just a different time of their lives. But I think that the pressures that women feel to check boxes, to, you know, you are enough if you have a partner, you are enough If you have a partner and a child, you are enough if you have a partner, a child and a successful career, right? These standards that we set for ourselves. And I don't think that for men, it it really is. I know this sounds very, these gender lines, very defined. But what I've seen is a lot of times it's men coming to me who are at a crossroads in their career. More of that than why women come and seek 
help. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And so I think I'm in a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been in a constant state of quarter-life crisis for the last four years. I often think, you know, I have a great job. I've got a great friendship group. I live in New York City, which I love. I have a lovely partner. And then I'm like, but is that it for the rest of my life? And, you know, that's boring. I feel like I either need to change my apartment or move city or break up with my partner or do some form of drastic change. Am I a weirdo? Is that a normal <laughs> feeling? Is, is this the kind of stuff that you're working with with your patients? Yeah, absolutely. And it's no, you're not a weirdo. It's it's Thank completely <laughs> normal. There are so many layers to the pandemic and how it's affected us. I think at its very core, what's happened is so many people in our world had to have been sitting home alone, primarily, in their thoughts for the first time in decades. And they haven't spent any time thinking about these larger philosophical questions of what is your view of success? What is your view of happiness? And I also steer people away from happiness or using the word happiness because happiness, like passion, it's fleeting. Trying to bank on happiness is rough because it is just a feeling in the moment. It's really about figuring out What's the meaning of my life? Does my life feel meaningful? Does the work that I do feel meaningful? Does my relationship feel meaningful? How do I find more meaning in what I'm doing? And how do I strengthen the relationships that I'm in? I think all these questions you ask yourself are great. I think it's good to constantly ask yourself because that's it, right? Which is all of life is just growing. When we talk about timelines, you know, I am very realistic with my clients and especially my female clients, which is this. If you biologically want to have your own children, then yes, you're on a timeline. And your work will be impacted. Your life will be impacted. I also believe that if you're at this point in your life where you're like, I want to have a child, but I don't have a partner, then have the child and the partner will follow. If you want to have children, then have children. I also think that if a child is meant to be in your life, they will show up in whatever form that is. I think part of it is letting go of that ideal timeline or way of thinking in your mind because what's within your control are making the choices and decisions that will lead you to that place. And that's the part of the timeline that you have control over. The other parts of it, you've got to let go. I do approach life from a spiritual realm and I do think that the souls come to you when they're ready. I believe that they choose you. That's Simone Delarue, fellow Aussie and founder of Body by Simone, a global fitness brand. And I think, you know, my journey to that point of, of getting pregnant at 43, I really had kind of given it up to the universe. And, and, you know, I said, I would love to have a child if it's in the cards for me and if it's meant to be. If there's a little soul out there that wants to choose me to be their parent, then let it be. When you're a trainer, your body image and your body is your tool. So there was, you know, definitely a thought of, well, could I have a family? Do you have a family? When is the right time to do that? And when I started the business, Body by Simone, I really saw my studios and my business as my babies. And so as my other friends were having children and starting the families along the way, I was so focused and driven on creating this brand that I really didn't have time for anything else. 
And then I got to the age of 40 and started to panic and think, oh, my goodness, will I be able to have a family? Have I missed the boat on this one? I love chatting with Simone because she hasn't necessarily done everything exactly as society tells us to. She spent much of her 30s building her business and then started family planning in her 40s. And honestly, we've all just got to run our own race. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. A concept that kept coming up with the guests of today's episode was this idea that society gives us a teeny tiny window during which it's acceptable, in air quotes, to get pregnant. And that is an idea that Dr. Brower and I explored. You know, it's interesting because certainly women, the vast majority of education on health and reproduction is about pregnancy prevention, right? So women tend to have a lot of basic information about the various forms of contraception available to them and what's the difference and how do you prevent a pregnancy. I think that that education there is some misinformation around it because it's very fear-based. And so when the shift occurs, when somebody is starting to think about getting pregnant, their ideas are based in misinformation because that's not true, actually. So there's that piece that's missing. And then there's the piece that's missing that's really more about what's the timeline? If I'm not ready now, how do I plan for the family that I want you know, what does that look like? What are the resources available to me? When do I need to do that? And so that that piece is also missing. There's this period for very much of your life, right, up until you get to a certain age, people just want you to think about not getting pregnant. And then they give you this little window of time where they're going to put a lot window. of pressure. This yeah. is little, you know, from the age of like 28 30 to, to 32. Yeah. Yeah. 28 <laughs> to 32. They're like, are you pregnant? Are you, are you going to totally. get pregnant? Are you married? Yeah. Are you, what's your, yeah. what's your plan? And then and they're like, it's too late. Sorry, you know. And I think that the education in the most perfect world, because they're connected, right? Preventing pregnancy and planning for pregnancy are the flip side of the same coin. All the things that you do to prevent pregnancy 
are surrounded around, you know, ovulation and preventing ovulation or even just knowing when you're ovulating and avoiding sex when you're ovulating and and all of that. And then when you're ready, it's using that same moment, understanding that same physiologic process to take advantage of it in the other way. I mean, egg freezing has been around for a long time, but the technology around it improved less than 10 years ago in a way that became something feasible to do with good outcome. So we are able to freeze and thaw eggs and have the expectation that a high percentage of those eggs will survive the freeze and the thaw. And even the technology around embryo freezing has improved as well. So yes, um, those are the tools other than education. And education can ultimately um, result in people altering their timeline of when they're actively trying to conceive. And that can certainly improve the odds of having the family that you want. But our tools beyond that are egg and embryo freezing, which will allow an individual to try to conceive with eggs or embryos that have a quality based on their current age and not the age at which they use them. So your chances of getting pregnant with those eggs or embryos, if you're 34 when you freeze eggs or embryos and you use them when you're 38, your chances of conception are based on your egg quality at 34 and not 38. It's never a guarantee. It certainly increases the odds of having a pregnancy with those those eggs or embryos in the future. It's been a game changer to be able to offer those things or to have the technology that results in higher success rates than they were a decade ago. And then access, you know, I think access to the information and then being able to provide the services in a way that is more affordable to allow people to access them that otherwise wouldn't be able to. Something that Kind Body is doing that I really personally appreciated when I went in to see a doctor there is making women feel really comfortable that if they are over the age of 32, there are still options for them, lots of different options, and there absolutely is still time. And I think Simone's story is really just a testament to this. So my husband and I tried for two years and um, I got pregnant at the age of 43. I had Oscar at 44, which was considered a geriatric pregnancy, which I find hysterical still to this day because it's like I'm 44 at the time, you know, I'm not 104. I think that term geriatric pregnancy, it's so interesting. Like you said, it's just laughable. But I think it also, even though it's ridiculous and we can laugh about it, it's also really kind of damaging, I think, to put a term with such weird negative connotations on women at that kind of vulnerable time when you have your hormones in your first trimester and you're worried about things going wrong. Did that have a a big impact on you or was it something that you could kind of just like laugh off and think this is silly? I mean, I I kind of laughed off the geriatric thing. I think, you know, when my OB said that I was just like that's funny and he laughed as well but for me you know I didn't tell anyone about the pregnancy till after the 12 week week mark and I was I literally was you know praying and surrounding him with white light and just you know being very cautious you know I used to work out seven hours a day and my clients were the first ones that knew I was pregnant because I had to say to them 
look, you know, I've been trying for a baby. I'm, I am pregnant. Nobody knows. Um, I'm not going to jump around and do cardio. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to stand here and tell you what to do, which was such a big shift for me because I was used to getting in there and working out beside them and motivating them. I remember thinking, I didn't even want to jump on a trampoline. I wanted to, you know, silly thoughts that you have, like it's going to fall out or something. So I, that's why I created the pre and postnatal workouts because I, I needed something. They you know there wasn't a lot of information out there at the time, you know, so I wanted to be able to share that with women as well, that you can absolutely work out throughout your entire pregnancy. So I know that we are all so tired of this question, but how does she do it all? She is a badass career woman who runs a global brand and she had the baby. Myriad studies have told us in that situation, women still bear the brunt of emotional labor, household labor, child rearing. So I really do want to know what the juggle is like for Simone. So, yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, I guess my world got turned upside down and I had to find ways of juggling being the career woman and being the mother which was, I mean, I still say to this day, I don't think there is a balance. You know, some days you're winning the mum game and then other days you're focused on the business. It's really hard to be present in both. I think that's just a constant challenge for women in general. I didn't realise that I was an absolute workaholic. I had, you know, until I was forced to stop and, and you know, and breastfeed and, and heal like the six weeks maternity leave, so to speak. I had no idea how much I was just on the go. So in a way, it actually forced me to stop and appreciate all the great work that I'd done. Because when you are so ambitious, all you do is look ahead and look forward. And what's the next thing? What, when's the next studio I'm opening? When's the next app you know, launch? When's the next DVD? When's the next piece of equipment launching? You just are so focused that you don't actually go, wow, actually what I did was kind of cool. And oh yeah, well done me. You know, you just, so, so in a way it was a nice gift because it's, it forced me to appreciate all of the the wins that I'd had and all of the great work that I'd done. Another question I had for Simone, and I think this one gets discussed a little bit less, is how having a baby at this point in her life and her career impacted her ambition. I definitely think for a year, I I kind of checked out for a year. I I actually stepped back from the business and hired someone to, to, you know, as VP of operations. But then a year later, I was like, oh, no, I I do have itchy feet. Like, I need to be back. And, And when you do have a child, you think, well, why am I doing all of this now? I'm doing this for him. I'm doing this to provide a great life for him. So, yeah, I definitely had a mixture of both. But I think it's totally normal to want to just drop the mic for a little while and you know, and be with them. And then there are the logistics of returning to work. I'm Australian and in Australia, it is pretty normal for women to take a year of maternity leave and at the very least nine months. And so I love talking to American women or women working in the US about what it's like to return to work when they may still be breastfeeding, they're probably not getting a lot of sleep, and they probably crave a ton of bonding time with their babies. I bring Oscar with me everywhere, you know, especially as you're breastfeeding, because you you can't be away from, from your child, you know, they're feeding off you every three hours, you know, and I think there needs to 
be more opportunities like this for women in the workforce. That there's, if there's a nursing room or if there's like a nursery or some kind of childcare, like in the office, so that you know you can come back to work. I mean, because I think women do want to come back to work, but often one they can't afford it because childcare is so crazy expensive. So then you actually end up working for free, and you're like, well, why am I working to pay for my childcare, which is taking me away from my child? There's a lot of different resources in other parts of the world that we don't have here in the US. So I think one conversations is obviously vital, but then trying to think about now when my team, if someone as a child, how do I provide some kind of childcare or allow them to bring their child to work? You know, I, that's something that I, as a CEO, I need to think about how I can provide that. To close out my conversations, I asked all of our guests what their hopes are for the next generation of people with uteruses. That they know that they have choices and that it is easier, less stressful for them to create the families that they want at the time that they want them. And so maybe 20 years from now when I'm going to retire, that this journey and, and struggle with infertility is less common because more and more people have really had foresight and done some sort of prevention ahead of time. You've got so much time. Don't let anybody put any pressure on you. You know, there's so we're having babies later and later and later. You know, I was really nervous. I was really concerned about the health of the child, the health of me. But if you take care of yourself, you know, it, it all is possible. So I think don't don't listen to society. And I think it, it's okay. And you know, we can have it all. You don't have to choose a career. You don't have to choose a family. You can have it all. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's it's literally a juggling act. But you you can have it all. Absolutely. You need to be very generous with your time and realistic when it comes to this timeline. Focus on what's within your control, which is showing up, doing, being, and recognizing that the outcome is out of your control. I hope after listening today, you feel a little bit calmer. I know that the conversations for this episode definitely helped me out. I took from my session at Kind Body that again, at 34 years old, I definitely still have time. And there are also lots of things I can do like egg freezing and other treatments if I do want to start family planning a little bit later. I also was reminded by Simone that not everything has to happen by the time that society tells you it does. And the third thing that I really took from the episode today is that honestly, the most important thing is to really sit with yourself, which is not my favorite thing to do admittedly, but take that time to really think through what you want, what makes you happy. It sounds sappy, but honestly, the best time to do anything in your life is when it feels good for you. And so I hope that we can all keep it real with each other and remind ourselves that timelines are bullshit and you do you. On today's show, you heard from Tess Brigham, Dr. Meredith Brower, and Simone Delarue. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Ella Dove, and myself, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. 
Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this episode with everyone you know. Seriously, we're all stressed about timelines. Help a friend out. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Special thanks to Jess Friedman, Ali Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolfe.